Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Yeah. You guys made it. And hundreds of you at home did not. <laughs> no, welcome to the hundreds who are watching from uh, warmer places right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm thrilled you're, you're here. You know, here's, I, I was just processing a little bit uh, about the temperature out there. Which, by the way, something to look forward to right now is uh, tomorrow's colder than today. So we're living in it today. It's just so nice, right? Because <laughs> tomorrow's going to be cold. Oh, man. It, it is, it's brutal. It's cold out there. I, I get that. Um, I, was, I was processing this, and this is not to guilt trip us at all, but more to celebrate our reality. Um, I was on the, a video call with a couple hundred pastors um, from around the world not too long ago. And... Um, I got, we kind of get into breakout little sessions and we talk in groups of like eight. I was in a little breakout with a pastor from India and he's talking about how every single week when they gather, they're in danger. He's like, well, the pastor in the neighbor, you know, in the city right next to us, you know, his family, his house got torched and his family got beaten. And he goes, that's, that's probably my reality as well. But we are so excited about planting a church in the town next to, next to them and then next to them. And, like, and it's just like this driven mindset in spite of the fact of the, the hurdles that they face. You, you realize our greatest hurdle is maybe one minute of bitter cold, right, from inside one place to inside another place. And yet we get to gather and, and I love this. I love the gathering of believers. And, and yes, even online and gathering in, you know, around um, with your families. But the fact that we have this privilege is just outstanding. And even as I was just kind of standing in the back, I was like, you know, you can almost get in here and be like, well, let's just get through this. And what a miss that would be to just say, let's get through the opportunity for what God might want to do as we gather together. And so I'm honestly, I'm just really, um, I have high anticipation for what God wants to do as we don't get through this, but we meet with God in this, and, uh, and he meets with us. Amen? So um, I think God's up to some good things, and I'm excited about that. Hey, let me tell you about this. So uh, I think most of us, though, with the weather and all that reality, we would probably say, I've gotten my dose of winter already. Check. <laughs> Anyone else feeling that? Some of, some of us. Around, though, Christmas time. Remember Christmas? It wasn't that long ago. Just a few weeks ago. It was 55 degrees on Christmas Eve, and we had no snow. And how many of you wanted snow at that point? Probably everyone's like, I just want some snow. And now here it is. You are welcome. Your wish is granted. And, uh, you know, it's so funny, though. That week, we are family. And so we go further north. We went up to Eagle River. My sister's got a house up there, and we wanted to play. And, of course, there was no snow up there. But the lakes were frozen. And so with us not being able to sled or ski and snowmobile and anything like that, we had to get creative. We're like, what, what can we do? And so we're like, well, I guess we could ice fish. Now, you've got to understand this. We are not fishermen. 
in our family. Like we are the, the worm and bobber type fisher, like, you know, fishermen, like we just, whatever we catch with that, we'll do. And, uh, and so ice fishing, we're like, yeah, let's give it a try. You know, what else are we going to do? And, uh, but we don't know anything about it. So we went to the local like bait and tackle shop and we asked the owner there, hey, can you teach us some things about ice fishing? Like, do we, uh, do we use worms and, and bobbers? And he's like, oh no. <laughs> you know, and then he starts like teaching, he's like training us and teaching us. And this is like to all you ice fishermen out, this, out there, this just goes to show you how little prepared we, we were. Like I, I put our hole in the ice with literally a drill. I'm doing the enough holes to just get, get a hole and like punch out a hole, you know, to get, get, get us a spot. But we, we bought like, you know, the minnows and, and all the things that they told us to, to get. And we're like, all right, we're going to try this thing. And so we're out there ice fishing and going for it. And, and I want to show you this picture because this is what it produced. Uh, this is a picture of my son. Who <laughs> and this is hilarious because he caught that thing on like a Disney princess fishing pole. And, uh, <laughs> but, and yes, the follow-up question is how bad did his coat and gloves stink? Really, really bad. That's the answer. Really, really bad. But he was thrilled, you know, and we were thrilled because, you know, we've never done this before. And he obviously landed a really big fish there. And that was super cool. But here's the deal. We, we could have great intentions and a will to fish. But quite frankly, without uh, insight from Scotty's bait and tackle shop. We wouldn't have gotten that. Like, that wouldn't be our reality. It's like someone had to come alongside us and give us some pointers. Otherwise, we would have been out there with worms. trying. I don't know. Maybe that does produce something. But the guy didn't tell us that that would produce anything. But this did because someone gave us some pointers. And, and here's the deal. Same thing in your spiritual journey. You could have, like, the will to want to grow in your walk with God, the desire to want to do that. And yet, sometimes what you need is you just need some pointers. How do I... What, what do I do? If I want to see my spiritual journey kind of awaken, what needs to happen? And so the Apostle Paul, today the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, in, in a way, he's going to be our fishing guide. In this case, our spiritual guide of some pointers to awaken our spiritual lives. Because that is my heart in this series, Awaken. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, this is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, this is why it is says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This whole series is about, is about what I really sense the Lord wants to do in his church this year, which is just wake us up, take us to, to a new level in our spiritual walk with him. And it's not a new subject. The Apostle Paul was writing about it, you know, thousands of years ago. And it's mentioned multiple times throughout Scripture, this idea of wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And so, um, once again, we're going to readdress that and ask, how do we wake up? Last week we talked about, um, as we looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, some of the things that the Apostle Paul was teaching there about waking up. He was talking about living in the light and living sober-minded. And you're actually going to hear that, that same language language once again in today's passage, but some other things as well. So this is where we're going to pick it up is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. I preached through verse 8 through 10 last week when talking about living in the light. And so this is where we're going to pick it up this week. Okay, so let me read it to you. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. I, I talked that through last week. Continuing on. 
have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's the verse that I just read to you just seconds ago. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's, or what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let me kind of just walk this passage through or talk it through a little bit. A couple things that I just want to highlight out of verses 11 through 13, he mentions multiple times this idea of exposing what is in darkness, like shining light on dark places. And here's just kind of a quick thought around that, and here's a good prayer to pray. If you just kind of want a bonus good prayer to pray, here here it is. God, bring conviction in my heart where I've allowed sin or darkness to remain. It's a good prayer to pray. God, bring conviction in my heart where I've allowed sin or darkness to remain. Now, here's the deal. If you're afraid to pray that prayer, it's probably because you're actually allowing yourself to live in some areas of darkness. You already know that, and you don't want to invite the Holy Spirit's conviction upon your life, which would be an indicator that you're actually probably already spiritually sleepy in some ways. And, and, but here's the why. Here's why, quite frankly, you want to pray this prayer. God, bring a conviction upon my heart wherever sin or darkness has, is, is remaining. Here's why you want to pray that prayer. Because of how God wants to use areas of your life that were dark that become illuminated. Listen to verse 13. I'm just going to read it to you. He says this. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Let me say it again. Everything that is illuminated becomes a a light. What does that mean? It means this, that the things that were once dark, once Christ's light has shined upon it, when you invite the, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit upon your life, and then you repent, and, and he brings restoration and healing to that area of your life, it says it becomes a light, meaning the thing that was once dark now is actually a light for the Lord to use to shine to other people. It's the person's life who was once walking far away from the Lord and they gave their life to Christ and God did an amazing restoring work in their life and now guess what their life is? Their life is now a light. That's like really good. It, it, that should be exciting to you that, that, there, that your life becomes a light. It leans into this idea of the, another passage where uh, Jesus is actually talking about the nature of light. Maybe you sang this song growing up in, in Sunday school where it's like uh, about the light of Jesus. And it's like, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? You remember that song? Some of you do. Okay, so it's like that idea of like you wouldn't take a light and hide it under a bushel or hide it under a bowl. Instead, according to Jesus, he said you'd place it on a high place in the house so it would give light to the entire room. The whole point is that when Christ actually shines in your life in areas where sin has ruled and you allow him to do a redemptive work, it's intended to then be a light in someone else's life that would actually bring restoration to them. 
Most of us, I think, have a, a desire to say, I would love for the broken places of my life to be used by God so that it actually could bring healing to someone else, right? Well, guess what? That's God's heart for you as well. He says, for any place where it's been illuminated, it becomes a light. This is why we would want to pray that prayer. God, shine in my life, any place where I've allowed dark things or sin to rule, that you might actually expose it, that I would do the work of repenting and then healing and restoration that you can do in my life. Make sense? Yes. Okay. I know you're a little, you're like, uh, yes. All right. Next verse is verse 14 where he says, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is God's heart for us is that we would be awake and that Christ would be shining in our lives. Then the next set of verses, the apostle Paul is now going to become kind of the fishing guide. And he's going to say, here's some of the things that are the attributes of those who are spiritually awake. So I just want to highlight a few of them, kind of walk them through. First thing I would say would be this. The awakened, they wisely make the most of every opportunity. They wisely make the most of every opportunity. Listen to verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here's the deal. Those who are spiritually awake will be purposefully trying to discover what is God's wisdom for every moment and situation that I go through in life. Because there is, there, there is a wisdom from God in all situations that surpasses common understanding. Let, let me just uh, give you an example. In my house, uh, I've got, there's 11 of us, but now as of this morning, because my son just went back to college this morning, uh, there's eight of us. Okay, so there's eight, eight there. Now, eight's still a lot, but here's what that reality means. Let's just kind of go one, one through eight, okay? That's what we got. With that many people, this is the relational reality in any situation where you have that many people. One could have a problem with two, two could be fighting with four, four might be, have an issue with eight, eight and six are mad at three, you know, and, and two, two and one are having their own issue because they're frustrated with child number four who didn't respond to their command. You know, it's like, we've got, we've got lots of opportunity for relational conflict at our house, right? We do. And so, but here's what I've discovered is that with all of those dynamics, but we get along really well, don't we? <laughs> we actually do. Our family's awesome. Uh, but but those, are, those are reality. That's still, we still have, there's not a week that goes by that there's not some level of relational conflict. But here's what I've discovered. It's if I can seek what's the wise response the, the Holy Spirit will give me convictions every single week. I promise you. It's every single week where he says, don't say that. <laughs> Do say this. This is what this person needs to hear right now. And every time I, I it's like the Holy Spirit brings it to me. I'm like, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, because that is wiser than my natural response. And this is what we all need. We, we need to have a wisdom that surpasses common understanding for our, for our daily encounters, for every situation we go, we go through. And then he goes on and he says, and make the most of every opportunity. Okay, so what, is it, what does it mean? It means that in every situation, there is actually 
I, I would describe it this way. There's a way to raise the, the kingdom temperature in that moment. There's a way to make it kingdom rich, if you will. Are, are you aware of this? Every situation you face, every conflict, every, every person you encounter, there's an opportunity for you to actually raise the temperature or make the moment kingdom rich. Here's what I mean by that. Most people are one phrase or one word away from you uh, changing their complete perspective of their day or the trajectory of their life. Are you aware of that? Most people in any situation are one word, one phrase away. You've, you've all experienced this at some point in your life where you're just going through your day, someone drops some statement about you that was, and they say something that's unkind, and that one word, it like sticks with you. It's like stabbing you in the heart, and it just ruins your whole day. Can, am I talking to anyone here? Right, we've all had that. In the same way, are you aware that a word of wisdom that is spoken on behalf of God to someone else can do the exact opposite in the sense that it actually speaks life into their life, like takes them to cloud nine in terms of their perspective and can literally change their perspective of that situation or even of their life. This is exciting stuff. Make the most of every opportunity. Are you aware? What could happen with the people of God if, if you actually made the most of every opportunity? How many of you think that God actually has a, has a will for every person that you encounter? How many of you think that? How many of you think God loves every person that you encounter? Okay, so if we could just learn to tap in and say, God, what is your heart for this person? What is your love for this person? And then, Lord, help me to speak that over them. You want to know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be making the most of that opportunity to make that moment kingdom rich. And you might discover God using you to literally shape people's lives, change the trajectory of their lives. Why, why can you do that? Well, because your heart is awakened. It's spiritually uh, acute and sober and sharp to what God's heart might be for that other individual. But that only happens. You cannot, you, you're not going to respond that way. The awakened heart is one that's regularly asking this question. God, what's the wise thing to say or do in this moment? And how can I make this moment kingdom rich? Right? But when you purpose to ask God that, he's going to tell you. It's, it's, it's posturing your heart in, in that way. Okay, so second thing that I see in this passage is the awakened, they pursue the ongoing filling of the Spirit. They pursue the ongoing filling of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. All right, he's talking to those who actually are already indwelled by the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is in them. They're Christians. So what is this all about, okay? So we gotta understand the nature of the Spirit of God. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for Christ followers, but the filling is not. So what, what's the difference and what's the nature of it? Okay, so here's the deal. The Spirit of God indwells the children of God, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14 says. Let me read it to you. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, so this is you put your faith in Christ, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession uh, to the praise and the glory of God. What's this all about? He's saying, listen, on the day that you gave your life to Christ, he actually placed his Holy Spirit in you as a deposit until you get to heaven. It's kind of a taste of heaven. And the Holy Spirit's, uh, his responsibility or his, his, his role in our lives is to guide us, encourage us, convict us, empower us, work through us. This is what the Holy Spirit exists to do. So what's the whole filling thing about? Okay, well, being filled, it's his, it's his ongoing process. Just like he uses the illustration of drinking wine, right? Just like if you drink too much wine, you get drunk, but you don't stay drunk, right? It wears off, right? Right. Okay. I hope. Unless, unless you drank too much. And, okay. So it always wears off. In the, he uses that as an illustration so that you would understand the nature of the filling of the Holy Spirit in the same way that the filling of the Holy Spirit actually wears off. You'd say, how does it wear off? It wears off actually through obedience, he wears off through obedience and surrender as we literally, as we step into surrender and obedience to the Lord, the Holy Spirit actually pours out through us. His power is poured out through us and he literally pours out and overflows out of us. And in which case we actually need to be refueled and refilled in him. This is why the Apostle Paul describes it this way. Let me read uh, some portions of some verses to you. Ephesians 3.19, he says, pray that you may be filled to the the measure to the measure filled to the measure of all the fullness of God he says pray this way pray that we would be filled to the fullest measure of all the fullness of God i want to get filled up in god and then in philippians 2:17 he says and so that i can be poured out like a drink offering here, here's another one in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Probably captures it really well. It says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace, meaning there's a level of joy and peace that you had before, but I'm praying that God would give you more of it, right? Fill you up more with a greater level of joy and peace as you trust him. Then you will what? Overflow. That there would be something that would actually flow out of you. Overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's he saying here? That there's this praying for a filling that becomes an overflowing and it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So how do we stay filled up with the Spirit? Well, the crux of it is really actually quite simple. It's the, the aspects of your personal spiritual disciplines. It's, it's always the same three things, guys. It's reading God's Word, Time in prayer, personal worship. The, these are the things that we go back to, these spiritual disciplines that fill us to the full so that we can, so that the Holy Spirit actually can pour out in and through us. Time in God's word, time in prayer, personal worship. I know some of you are like, oh, that just seems too big. It seems overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. I, I've done this before. Let me just break this down really simply. Uh, start with like a chapter a day from, from God's word. Start in the gospels, you know, with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. A chapter a day. It'll take you three to four minutes, okay? So read your three to four minutes in God's word. Reflect on that. Think about it. What verses stuck out to you? Okay, then on your way driving into work, let's say, that might take you 10 minutes. On your drive-in, during the 10 minutes, take five minutes to spend time in prayer. Don't close your eyes while you're driving, okay? 
but you can pray with your eyes open. It counts, okay? Talk to the Lord about what is going on in your heart, what you want to kind of trust him with, pray for other people. And then as far as personal worship, find one worship song you love and just play that and sing along or let it be an expression from your heart and worship God through that song. There you go. And in that process, what you're doing is you're actually, you're drawing near to the Lord and he is going to fill you up with, to the full. So that, so for what purpose? So that you can pour out your life as a drink offering to him and the Holy Spirit pours out through you. Does that make sense? Okay, so then, and then the follow-up prayer that goes with that is just simply this prayer. Pray it. God, fill me to the full with your Holy Spirit. There's not a single time that I come walking onto, you know, this stage to preach that I don't pray that prayer. I go, Holy Spirit, just fill me to the full, that your words would pour out of me. That it's not me, but it's you. It's, it's a necessary prayer that just says, God, I want you to be the one who's, who's active right now. Fill me to the full. Okay, so third, the awakened, they use their words to uplift others and honor God. They use their words to uplift others and honor God. Listen to Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Okay, so notice what he says here. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is that all about? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Is he saying that we need to go speak to one another, a, uh, and I guess start memorizing psalms? He's actually, when he uses the word psalms, it's not necessarily psalms from scripture. Could be, but he's actually talking about songs. And hymns would have been like their modern day hymns of their day. And spiritual songs is similarly, it's, it's, the, it's the modern day song of the children of God. That's what he's actually referring to. I think it's incredibly important for us to speak God's word to people. But it's interesting here that he emphasizes singing spiritual songs of the day. Now, why would you do that? Here's why. Because songs have power and songs become natural rally cries, don't they? There's something that our hearts respond to songs. They, they become natural rally cries and we get drawn into them. Like, think about this. We're not gonna take it. Oh no, we ain't gonna take it. We're not gonna take it anymore, right? And it's like Twisted Sister, we all kind of get rally cried to like a song like that. Whoa, living on a prayer, take my hand, we'll make it us. And there's like all of a sudden, why is it in that type of a concert setting, thousands and thousands of people like rally to, it becomes becomes this rally cry. Bear down, Chicago Bears. (laughs) Which I know. We have nothing to rally to at this point because our season is over, but it's still the rally cry of my heart in spite of the silliness of it all. You know, but, but here's the deal. There are songs that are written to actually rally the hearts of the people of God because we respond to it. They, 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 they draw us together around, around just a rally cry. So in this, he's saying, guys, I want you to actually speak the rally cry of the people of God. In fact, verse 14, which I read to you earlier, let me read it to you again. L- look at what it says here. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Where is that said? Are you aware he's actually not quoting 
Scripture. Yes, all of that, all those words are ideas from scriptures, but it's actually ideas from probably four different verses all out of Isaiah. You want to know what it is said from? Where the one way that is kind of, that's captured together, and as he says it, everyone's like, oh yeah, that's exactly how we say it. He's actually quoting a modern day New Testament hymn in that day. That's what he's doing. He's using the rally cry that's sung within the house churches in that day and age that everyone's able to go, oh yeah, that's how we sing it. To remind ourselves to wake up that Christ would shine on us and that he would work in us. And so just as, as Paul is modeling it, he's saying this is what we're supposed to do with one another. Speak to one another through the songs of the rally cry of humanity, uh, of the children of God in that day. And I don't know if you've realized this, but even the worship songs in our day, the themes change. Like 10 years ago, everything was about water. Oceans, rivers, floods, (laughs) all this stuff. It's like, that was like the theme. I don't know. It's like people just needed to, that, that picture. And then a handful of years after that, it would seem like it was all about spiritual warfare. It was all about like warring for things. And then during COVID, are you aware of the rally cry of like the children of God? It was all about waiting upon the Lord. It was all about just waiting through this moment and relying upon him. It was, it was faithfulness and looking at Jaira and, and how is he faithful in the past? He'll be faithful in the future. And I started asking the question, what's the rally cry of the children of God right now? What do we sense he's doing? It's, uh, I, I sense actually a lot of declaration songs. I speak Jesus. It's, it's revival songs. It's, it's awaken my heart, awaken our city, awaken the, the children of God. It's this, there's a lot of high praise actually coming out right now that is much more uh, focused on who God is versus even our position. But here's what it could mean for you. Maybe it's you sending a, a YouTube video link to a friend saying, hey, I was thinking about you and this song came to mind and maybe it would encourage you today because it could become a rally cry for their heart in that moment. But he also says this, it's all the, also the song of your heart to be to the Lord. He says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now I know some of you are like, I don't like to sing. It's not, it's not for me. Well, I, I don't care. <laughs> Scripture says sing. So, so I, there's also a verse that says, make, make a joyful noise to the Lord, okay? So some of us make the joyful aspect of it, and some of you just make the noise aspect of it. But it's okay, you just, you make it, okay? Make the joyful noise to the Lord. Think of it this way, though. Find a spiritual song, probably a a worship song. It's the rally cry of the people of God right now that best expresses what your heart needs to express to the Lord for your season, for whatever you're going through right now. In fact, I almost always have one song for any season of my life that I'm going through that I, I use to kind of preach to myself and to worship God through. And, um, and I, I play it almost every day, just kind of as it's my worship song. It's my cry to the Lord. And it changes depending on what I'm going through and what I'm facing. But um, if you're sitting there going, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what the rally cry of my heart is right now to worship the Lord. I'll share mine with you, okay, for that, 
that's become kind of the rally cry of my heart for right now. And the worship team's actually going to lead us in it. So I'll, I'll invite them out. But it's a song called uh, Here, it, Here It Is. That's the name of the song. It's by Passion. And here's why I love the song. And here's why my heart um, just has respond. I, I don't know. I just find that it's the right rally cry for my heart right now. There's this, a line in it that says, you're the one I love, you're the one I choose. And that phrase, you're the one I choose, I don't know, it just means a lot to me right now. And here's why. We know marketers and in, through marketing statistics that uh, in every one of us, marketers work really hard to get about 2,000 images of different kind of marketing, kind of advertisement in front of our faces every single day. Did you know that? About 2,000 images are, will go before your eyes. And every one of them are trying to get you to choose their product, their service, their position, their model, their values, their whatever. Everyone in it right now in the world is trying to get us to choose to, to align with what they've got or what they're trying to sell. And I find the reason why I love this right now so much is because I feel like, well, everything in this world is trying to get my heart to choose it. I get to this line and I go, God, you're the one I choose. I choose you. I choose you over the values of this world. I choose you over everything that's enticing. I choose you over the things that my flesh longs for. I choose you over everything. And, and so, I don't know, because of that, it's, it's my current rally cry. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture of just kind of surrendering it all and saying, and I choose you. And so would you stand with us? And the worship team is going to lead us in this song. It's really simple. It's easy. Maybe it'll become the rally cry for your heart right now as well. But I believe there's something powerful when the people of God, when we pursue him with all we are. And so um, step into that right now in this moment. Worship team, come and lead us. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.